For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to Believe in the Miami Heat, where this is finally the last episode before the regular season begins. Of course, as always, we are brought to you by the Believe Network. And also, I might put the video version up on my YouTube channel. I say might. Because last episode I said it would be up on my channel, but when I watched the video quality, I wasn't, I really just wasn't too happy with it. So I decided to scrap it. So you can search me up on YouTube at Anthony DiNardo. And if I like the way this video comes out, I'll either post some clips to the full thing, but you can go ahead and check it out. But either way, we produce some content everywhere, baby. So because this is the last episode before the regular season begins, I'm gonna go down the roster and give my predictions and just general overall thoughts on each player on the roster. Now I have a pretty great track record when it comes to predictions because on my YouTube channel last year, I made a prediction about Bam Adebayo's stat line for the game which he returned from his thumb injury. Speaking of thumb injuries, my thumb is actually really hurting a lot too. Uh, I was hooping yesterday because you know your boy a hooper and I was playing against my boy. He's one of those boys who all he does is talk and I actually blocked his shot and he couldn't take it that he actually smacked down on my hand and kind of jammed his brain a little bit but it's okay we fighting through I don't need my thumb to uh, record this podcast but shout out my boy Thomas Acuna for thinking that he's better than me even though he's not that's way off topic last year I made a prediction video about Bam's stat line before the game I said he'd have 14 points nine boards like three assists two blocks of steel and a whatever basically I nailed the prediction right on the head including the blocks the steals and all that so videos on my YouTube channel so y'all can see I'm not capping check it out But anyways, we're going to go down the roster. I got the list of all the players right here so we don't miss no one because there's some guys that I don't expect to get any runs. So might miss them. That's why we got them written down. We'll start with the starting lineup. We got a very controversial player in Kyle Lowry. Now, listen, this is what frustrates me about Heat Nation. People are acting like he sucks. They think he's trash. They think he provides no value, which is just not true at all. Now, of course, relative to his monster contract, he is trash. That's because he's obviously severely overpaid, but to be honest, who isn't in this league? To get guys on your team, you have to overpay for them. And yeah, is he not performing the way someone who's getting 30 million million a year should? No, he's not. But at the same time, he still provides some value as a facilitator and as a veteran leader, a point guard, someone who can run an offense without you having to worry about them getting shots. Now, I like the way he pushed pace last year. I know you, if you look at the advanced numbers, it'll say that they're still a relatively slow team. But the way he hit ahead guys, the way he led fast breaks, that's something that I don't think this team had prior to him getting here. Now, he shot relatively efficient in the regular season. He was only 44%, but he was about 37% from three. But in the playoffs, we all know that he severely dropped off a cliff. I actually looked up the numbers right before recording this just to see if I was being dramatic. And I wasn't. I almost vomited everywhere because he shot under 30% from the field and a three-point line in the playoffs. Obviously, that's god-awful. And being that he was like 37 years old last year, in very few cases do you expect a guy to get better going into the next season. (laughs) 
But I still expect a very solid year from Kyle Lowry. Basically similar production to what he had last year. The hope is just kind of that he can carry it into the playoffs. And the reason why I think that might be possible is because, of course, you're going to see a much bigger role from Tyler Hero, maybe taking some of the weight off Kyle's shoulder. So hopefully he can go into the postseason a little more healthy. But I like Kyle Lowry. I think he provides a lot because every team does need a true point guard. You can say that was a problem with the Boston Celtics last year as they didn't have a facilitator. They're trying to fix that by bringing in Malcolm Brogdon. But if you watch them in the playoffs, that was a big problem for them. Sometimes when the game's slow down, you don't have someone that can actually run an offense. It does hurt you. So I like the uh, the value that Kyle Lowry provides. And he's going to have a good regular season. My concern is if he does it in the playoffs. And I'll say he will just because I don't want to be too, <laughs> too negative. But we talked about uh, how Tyler Hero would help him. So moving into him, who is probably locked into the starting lineup at that two spot based off Spoh's dress rehearsal in that last game versus the Pelicans, I have a very bold prediction on Tyler Hero. It is that he will make the all-star team this year. That is going to be difficult because he's probably going to be the third option behind Jimmy and Bam. But based off what he what we saw last year, I honestly believe that he's going to be even better. And I think he deserved to make it last year. So I think now that he's in the starting lineup, that's going to be the difference that he needs to make the all-star team. Especially since we know Jimmy Butler tends to coast through the regular season just because he's a postseason performer. He's a big-time player. So that's my bold prediction on Tyler Hero. He, you can tell he worked very, very hard this offseason. You can tell he has that chip on his shoulder. And I believe in Tyler Hero. Listen, he obviously had that good rookie season in the bubble where he balled out. And people say that it's, oh, because he was in the bubble. Truthfully, I think he would have been better if there was a crowd there. What have we seen from Tyler Hero that tells you he doesn't live for that crowd? We saw that game winner he had versus Philly earlier that season where Jimmy ripped Embiid and Tyler Hero came down the court, stopped on a diamond, pulled up just to hit the game winner. Listen, he's a big time player. He lives for those moments. He feeds off that crowd. Now people say, oh, in 2021, he sucked. But guess what? Everybody sucked. I said that last podcast too. I throw out that entire 2021 season because it was literally the shortest offseason in NBA history. Jimmy sucked, Bam sucked, Goran sucked, and of course, Tyler did as well. So I throw that out. You go into 22, uh, 2022 playoffs, obviously Tyler here was terrible again, but he did have the injury. He kind of was bad before the injury, but we don't know how, how much he was you know, kind of ailing before he officially sat out. But listen, he's 22 years old. A guy's allowed to have a bad postseason and learn from it. He's not supposed to be a, a super success story every year. The great players will learn from their mistakes, and I believe in Tyler Hero that he will. I think he's going to average an easy 24 points per game this season and make the all-star team. I believe in him. I think he's going to earn the contract. Moving on to Jimmy Butler, a guy who needs some respect put on his name. Listen, Jimmy Butler is him. He's the him reaper, Hemi Butler, whatever you want to call him, he is that guy. Big-time players make big-time plays, and that's what he does every single postseason in and out. I will stand on top of the hill saying that Jimmy Butler is a top-five player in this game. You know why? Because he does it when the games matter. I don't care about James Harden, people saying he's better, or Trey Young, Paul George. Paul George is one of the biggest habitual playoff chokers we've ever seen. Dude gave himself the playoff P nickname just to hit the side of the backboard the next game and suck every game since. I do not like Paul George, if you couldn't tell. But listen... I value the postseason the most, championship games the most, and Jimmy Butler time and time again has showed that he is one of the best players in the world when the games matters. He's him. This Heat team is going to go as far as Jimmy Butler takes him, and I ride or die with Jimmy to the wheels fall off. I really, really do. I think he's a genuine superstar and one of the best players in this game. And 
He did it last year. No reason to think he's not going to do it again, especially since you hope uh, that he has some help this year from the other guys because he did all that last year basically with all the role players playing terrible. So <laughs> let's hope those guys get a little bit better. He will be starting next to a new four this year, which is probably going to be Caleb Marin. I want to start off by, because I'm, I'm going to praise Caleb Marin, but I want to start off by saying that he is not an upgrade over P.J. Tucker. He's just not. Uh, of course, they're going to provide different things, but at the end of the day, P.J. Tucker still provides more to this team just from his defense size. Well, he obviously was, was not a huge guy, but he'd play up, but it's a downgrade. That being said, I think the margin at which it is a downgrade, that obviously depends on Caleb Martin because he has a lot of tools that P.J. Tucker did not have, specifically athleticism. That dude can jump. Now, that might help him because he is a little bit of a smaller player playing four, but that's still yet to be seen because obviously Spolster switches everything. And if he's on a guy like Embiid or Nikola Jokic, his, his athleticism is not going to do nothing. He could be posted up. It's not going to do nothing. But he does add a different dynamic to this offense that P.J. Tucker did not. Obviously, P.J. Tucker had that corner three, which is good. That's the most important shot in basketball as far as spacing. And, of course, he showed us a little floater in the lane last year. But Caleb Martin's a lot faster. He'll be able to cut, get to his spots a lot quicker. His form looks mm, chef's kiss gorgeous. Whatever weird hitch he had in his shot last year seems to be fixed. He was putting in a lot of work this offseason. And listen, he seems like a really humble guy. Like he wanted to be here. And my favorite player to have on the Heat is guys that want to be here because they will buy into the Heat culture. They'll work hard. They'll play defense, which Caleb Martin, his perimeter uh, defense is absolutely phenomenal. He was clamping guys 92 feet last year. Uh, it's really exciting to see. Problem is, if he's playing the four, I don't know how much that's going to work. A lot of this is me trying to talk myself into it working because I'm just not so sure it will. But regardless, it is positional basketball nowadays, especially with the Miami Heat who switch everything. So it's not like he's going to spend all his time guarding fours. It's going to be a team effort. And if there's any reason him at the four can work, that's going to be why. Because they're going to have guys in a scheme that can kind of collapse and rotate, build a wall. If it's a guy like Giannis, we've seen them do that before to try to make it successful. Plus, most teams play small now anyway, so... Probably won't be a too big an issue, but I am a huge Caleb Martin fan. Bam Adebayo will be the starting center. Another, probably the second most controversial guy, either behind Lowry or Tyler, just because a lot of people, well, I think everyone knows what Bam is capable of, but get very frustrated with him, whether he is going to do it or not, because we all know that Bam is one of the strongest, fastest, uh, you know, just most versatile guys on the court. The only person who doesn't know that is Bam Adebayo. <laughs> I mean, listen, the dude is 6'9", 6'10", with great handles, a beautiful jump shot, but for some reason, he just wants to do dribble handoffs all day. Now, we saw in the preseason, he was very aggressive, and we did see at points last year his aggressiveness. Even in that game seven, he was not bad. He had a pretty good game seven versus Boston. But here's where I'm at with Bam Adebayo. I'm more of like, you know, show me. I'm tired of falling for it every single time he'll have a game, he'll go out, he'll score 30 and 40 points, especially against Brooklyn. We know how he likes to dominate Brooklyn, but he'll take 20 shots, get to the free throw line double digit times, and then the next eight games, he'll shoot six to eight shots a night. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of getting my hopes up just to get disappointed every single time. Now, if Bam Adebayo does realize his full potential, he's going to be one of the best players in this league. And because he's already the best defender in the league, don't give me none of that Rudy Gobert BS. Rudy Go... The fact this man keeps getting his name mentioned in Defensive Player of the Year when he gets played off the court in the playoffs because of his defense doesn't make no sense to me. We saw Rudy Gobert on Steph Curry. It's one of the funniest clips in NBA history. We've seen Bam on Steph Curry lock him down multiple times. So anyways, Bam Nabal, the best defender in the NBA, is not even close, and the offensive versatility is there. 
I think he took three threes in the regular season too, or in the preseason also, he made one of them. But the form is great. I'd like to see him take, you know, a three or two a game just to kind of, you know, work on his game. I'm not saying he has to hit it, but start practicing it, start working on it. It'll really help his game a lot, especially the spacing with the heat since obviously Jimmy Butler is not a great shooter. But the potential is there for Bam and Abao, but I'm in show me mode. I don't want to sound like a hater because I genuinely think he's one of the best players in this league, but I'm tired of him. Even in the last offseason, he said, I want to be a flat-out scorer. We didn't see it. We saw one out of every 10 games. Step up, Bam, at a bio. If you achieve your full potential, and I'm not saying you should this year because you're still obviously young also, but if you can take that step that you should take going into your fifth or sixth season, whatever it is, that really brings this Heat team to a completely other tier because he is one of the biggest mismatched nightmares in the NBA. So I'm in show me mode, and I want to see a bam at a bow because I really love you as a person and a player. Going on into a bench, we have Victor Oladipo, who finally had his first healthy offseason in years. So because of that, you'd like to think he'll take a you know a relatively decent-sized step from last year in the playoffs. Playoffs, he shot pretty horribly, but the defense was pretty great. But again, it's hard to judge him because he was a guy that was thrown in with like 10 games left in the regular season, and then he's playing high-intensity playoff basketball just a week after coming back, you know? And the the unfortunate part about Depot is that he actually missed the first couple games of the preseason for rest. I thought that was weird. That's a guy who needed reps. And then when he did play, he played pretty terrible. <laughs> Obviously, the defense was okay, even though Jalen Green did drop him, but well, he, he, he tripped. I know he tripped. But his offense was terrible. He can't shoot. He struggled shooting. I don't want to give my prediction based off the preseason for Depot because he was terrible, but he's a guy that I really believe, and in the playoffs, people, I think he left a sour taste in people's mouths just because of the shooting, and that's kind of is what the most visual, but his defense was absolutely incredible, especially we know what he did on Jalen Brown. Well, they say Jalen Brown can't dribble, so maybe that's not the best example, but regardless, (laughs) the way he played the passing lanes, the way he played uh, point of attack defense uh, was really great, so I'm a big fan of Victor Oladipo. I'll give him still some more time to get his offensive rhythm back. In the preseason, you know, he's just trying to get a sweat, get his legs under him. I'll give him 10 games to see how he looks. Hopefully, he can shoot relatively well, and I think he'll be in for a a pretty decent season. Uh, Maybe you can get 12 points from him a night, best case scenario, because he's not going to be a guy they're going to look to for score, so I certainly don't expect more than 12, but I mean, if you can get 75% of Prime Oladipo, again, this Heat team's a championship team, so... If 75% of Oladipo is 12 points and great defense, I like it. I don't like his minutes with Jimmy, though, because too often it's just one of them standing in the corner, and neither one of them is a great catch-and-shoot player. So I think Spolster will have to find a way to be creative and kind of separate their minutes there. The next guy I got on my list here is Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent is a guy that I had to publicly apologize to last season. As a rookie on this team, I thought he was one of the worst players I'd ever seen in my entire life. I did. <laughs> And I said several times that he's not an NBA player. And you know what? I shouldn't apologize for that because I specifically remember one stretch where he missed like 23 pointers in a row for a guy who was who we thought was going to be a shooter. We didn't actually realize that he was a, you know, a great defender at that time. So he really frustrated me. And then going into last season, I was frustrated to see him get minutes early on. But that could not have turned around any faster than it did for me. Gabe Vincent is one of the best backup point guards in the NBA. His defense, this team, the defenders they have on this team, I mean, similar to last year, obviously they added P.J. Tucker, who's a great defender as well, but between Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Caleb Marin, Gabe Vincent, this team has some dogs on defense, which you expect nothing less from Heat culture. 
But Gabe Vincent made me a huge fan of himself last year. We saw really, really efficient shooting for him. He had some games where they carried him. He had obviously a couple versus Philly. He had one versus uh, Chicago where he scored like 20 points in the second half or something. His shooting was great. We saw him really start to develop that offensive playmaking later in the year. I think that's something the Heat are, are working on getting him is, is more into a facilitator because the Heat really don't have a backup facilitator outside of Lowry. So he's working on it. He's made some nice plays. He tries running the offense a little bit. And since we already saw some improvement with that from him last year, I think that's only going to continue. And Gabe Vincent, like I said, is one of my favorite or is, is one of the best backup point guards in the NBA. And I think he's going to play a huge role on this team. Because when, you got, when you're going against these stars on the other team and Jimmy Butler finally subs out, Caleb Martin finally subs out, well, guess what? You got Victor Oladipo and Gabe Vincent coming in. These other teams will get no break on the offensive end, and they're going to have to work for it every single second day out there. And in the playoffs, when the intensity rises up and the Heat's defensive intensity is at its best, that's what's going to win them games in the playoffs. So I, I think they got a good roster, but I'll give an overall team prediction at the end. The next guy I want to get to on this list is my favorite player on the team, Max Struess. It's no secret that Max Struess is my guy. You know, we do the Struess Daddy Alerts over here. And if you don't, you can, again, you can listen to the last podcast because we have one over there because Struess had himself a really great uh, preseason game, which was nice to see because he was struggling in the preseason before that. But I mean, I don't put any stock into the preseason. It was just nice to see him get his legs under him. And he's not a guy whose confidence I'm worried about. So even if he goes 0 for 10, I still think his next shot's going in. And so does he. That's what I love about that man. I mean, I actually remember his first preseason game ever with the Heat, which I guess was like two or three years ago now. He was terrible. I don't think he made a single shot. And I specifically remember sending my boy Will a text saying, Max Struess is the worst player I've ever seen. Uh, And then preseason game two, he lit it up. And I was like, you know what? This is going to be my guy. This is going to be my guy because I like a guy that doesn't put his head down and doesn't lose confidence. Because like I said, I'm a hooper. And if you didn't guess based on my lack of... uh, (laughs) melanin or muscles i'm not a very athletic guy <laughs> so so i'm a shooter uh obviously that that just is what it is and max reminds me of myself because even when i get in some cold slumps you just always got to believe the next one goes in that's what makes me frustrated about duncan robinson is obviously the fact that he lacks confidence but uh max Truce doesn't i really like him we saw his defense take a major step towards the end of last season especially against boston in the playoffs so that's really really good stuff to see if his defense can get even better and better, that he's going to be a, one of the greatest rotation pieces in this league. Seriously, because his offensive game is versatile. He actually led the league in like a field goal percentage at the rim or two-point field goal percentage. He was at like plus 90% at, at some point during last year. He's athletic too. Uh, he's a guy that can get up. He'll dunk on you just like he did John Wall. Uh, obviously, phenomenal shooter. And if the defense gets there... I mean, he's just going to be a great rotation piece for this team. Huge, huge Max Strews fan. And the next guy I got on this list is I got a couple bigs. I got Dwayne Dedman, Omer Yurtsevin. I think I'll kind of combine them together here. People are mad at Dedman because they act like he sucks. And I mean, yeah, he's not great, but he is what he is. Why are people getting mad at Dedman when they, they think he has some kind of huge expectations? He doesn't. This guy is getting paid $9 million for a couple years, which... I did think it was overpaid. I thought he'd get a minimum, but maybe they're looking at it as a trade asset sort of filler type of thing. But listen, he's an energy guy. I think he'll play 15 minutes or less a night just to kind of hustle, grab some boards, and just be big. That's what him and Omer would be in there for is just to be big. And I think those are both guys who are going to play about 15 minutes a night. So between the both of them, you got 30 minutes of size. If you need it against an Embiid or Jokic, you got it. And that's all they're there for. 
Deadman, he's going to play a role similar to Birdman, a guy who came in just to be, you know, energy. Uh, Birdman was a better player, so I don't want to really say Deadman is as good as him, but that's what he's there for. And Yurtsman is just in there to get some boards every now and then. If he was going to start, I would have said he would have played the Luke Babbitt or Myers Leonard role, where Omer would start the first seven minutes of the first quarter for seven minutes of the second half, and that's it. But I think there'll be room for both of them in the rotation. Like I said, I could see them both uh, getting maybe 15 minutes a night just because they don't really have any size. I guess Bam Adebayo will be their biggest player outside of them. So I do think you're going to need a little bit of that. Maybe they take turns who's in there. If it's not both of them, then we'll see. Because if it's not both of them, well, then that means that it's Nikola Jokic or Jovic. Now, before the preseason... (laughs) My, my expectations for Jokic were, or Jovic were, wow, I did that twice. I was so good on this podcast. I had not said Jokic. Jovic. My expectations for Jovic were different before. He, he kind of balled out in the preseason. I mean, he was, he was really, really good. Before that, I said my expectations for him were to have a similar role to Precious Achua did his rookie year. And Precious played 60 games at 12 minutes a night. I said Jovic was probably going to play about 50, uh, 50 games, about 12 minutes a night. But seeing what we saw in the preseason, it's really looking like Spo likes what he has here. It's looking like he wants to get this guy some run because the sooner he gets some run, you know, the sooner he's going to develop and get better. We even saw him in the last game get some run with the starters. It, you know, it was basically the, the four guys and then Jovic instead of Caleb Martin. I don't think that was a coincidence. I think Spo wanted to see how he'd fare with those guys because prior to that point, we only saw Jovic with really the, uh, the G League guys, you know, the Drew Smith and Jamal Keynes. And he was great. He was obviously the star. Now, my thing with him is he's a guy that can do a lot. And because he's young, sometimes he'll do too much, which is fine because he's 19 years old. But when we saw him with the starters and, you know, some some actual vets run with him, he looked good. He didn't do too much, but he was playing his role. Jimmy was able to drive, kick it out to Jovic, who hit a three. So he looks really nice with that unit. And obviously, he's a bigger guy. He's 6'10", you know, so he is bigger than Caleb Martin, much bigger. He only weighs 220 pounds, which... To be honest, is, is actually more because <laughs> he seems pretty skinny out there. That's what kind of worried me about his frame. Again, not complaining because he's 19. He'll fill out his body. But I guess 220 isn't the worst. But just when you look at him from the eye test, his body doesn't seem NBA ready. But because of the run that he's got in the, the post or the preseason, I think Spolster is going to play him a little more than I thought. I think he'll try to get him in the rotation early and see how it goes. So I guess I'm not going to change my prediction on jo- uh, Jovic. Uh, except the fact that I think he'll get some run early. Because prior to the preseason, I thought he'd, he'd be a guy that would come in maybe in a month or two when guys start to need rest or guys get banged up a little bit. And I thought he'd spend a lot of time in the G League, kind of like what Josh Richardson did, which worked out great for Josh Richardson. Because if y'all remember his rookie year here, he spent a lot of time in the G League and came back a really, really great and improved shooter. So I think Jovic is going to get some run early, but I mean, he's been really fun to watch because all the tools are there. It's just unfortunate that, you know, we can't advance this timeline a little bit because we want to win right now. You know, you, you probably only got a few years left to prime Jimmy, at least only, you know, four years left on the contract. And I think Jovic will probably take at least four to five years to achieve close to his potential, especially because he needs to fill out his body, obviously. But, bro, he's a guy that can fill it up, whether it's assists, we've seen the blocks, we've seen the shooting. I'm really excited. I hope he does get some run because... You know, if, if he can have some kind of improvement going into the postseason, he'll just add another dynamic to this team and just make them really, really scary. But moving on from him, let's talk a little bit about Duncan Robinson, the guy who's easily been the most disappointing player to me. 
Now, I stood on a mountaintop last year, and I, I was on there, and I said, Nikola, uh, Nikola, we done talking about, I'm excited about Jovic, if you can't tell. But I said, Duncan Robinson, I believe in him. I said, he's going to get back to the Duncan Robinson. I was right on Duncan Island. It seemed like there was only two people left on Duncan Island. It was me, and actually, I guess, the, the former uh, host of this, of this podcast, Mr. Sean Rochester. I was with him, man. I said Duncan will turn it around. I believe in him. He got off to a you know uh, slow start, but I said we've seen too much of a good sample size from Duncan Robinson for him to all of a sudden be this bad. And I guess bad is a stretch. He was relatively bad because I think he still made the seventh most, most threes in the NBA, but I was disappointed. He never really turned it around the regular season. He never really got close to that 40% that I thought he would, but going into the postseason, I said he's going to do it. I said, I really believe in this man. He was my favorite player up until that point. And sure enough, in the first game against the Atlanta Hawks, the man had literally the most efficient game in NBA history. He shot seven of eight from three. And I stood on my high horse and I said, I told you, I told you, stop with the Duncan slander. Enough is enough. Duncan is him. And then Duncan went the rest of the postseason and was god awful and then made me look like a complete idiot so to say that i'm disappointed in duncan robinson and and a little annoyed would be an understatement because duncan sir i love you buddy i am a huge long shot fan actually I, I listen to every single episode and i think you're a great guy and like i said i am a similar player to you and everything so if you listen to this no hate but you disappointed me <laughs> you but here's the thing here's the thing so so i don't sound like a hater it's your confidence for me man I'm talking to you, Duncan. Yeah, in case you listen, Duncan, I'm talking to you. It's your confidence. You're not a bad player. I think you know you're not a bad player. You just don't act like it. You put your head down as soon as you put a shot up, like you're assuming you're going to miss. And as a shooter, that's how you miss shots. I can tell watching you, you just don't seem confident out there. If you had the confidence of Max Truce, I think you'd be you'd be obviously one of the most lethal shooters in this league, just like you kind of were uh, before you had the expectations, and maybe they're weighing a little too much on you. I mean, you kind of did say that on one of the episodes of your podcast. You said that once you got paid, you kind of had the pressure of living up to the contract, and you're certainly not a fat cat like my guy Hassan Whiteside was who got paid and kind of stopped trying, even though y- y'all know I still love Whiteside, but I don't want to get into him, but you're just a guy who kind of lets the pressure get to you. And it's human nature. I get it. So I'm not going to get mad at you, even though I kind of did a little bit earlier. So, But I'm, I'm going to try not to get mad at you. I don't know if you're going to have a, a spot in the rotation this year. Let me stop talking to Duncan. I don't know if he's going to have a spot in the rotation this year, uh, just because I think that really depends on Nikola Jovic, because if the minutes were going to be there, it'd probably be Jovic's minutes or Yurt's minutes. Yurt, Yurt is actually still has a hurt ankle. Spo said that might affect him going into the regular season. So maybe there'll be some minutes initially. But truth is, I'm in show me mode with Duncan Robinson also. I don't think he's going to have a great season. I don't even think he's going to have that much of a role. And if that's the case, then you'd you'd think he has to be gone by trade deadline just because he gets paid too much money to sit on the bench like he did in the postseason. No hate, though. I do love Duncan Robinson. Love him as a person. Love him as a player. It's just frustrating to see him lose his confidence when he really is one of the most talented shooters in this league. But moving on from him, we got Hayward Highsmith. Highsmith is a guy that... I thought was going to be good for no reason other than the fact that the Heat gave him a a three-year deal and the Heat know more than me and they certainly know what they're doing. So when they gave him that three-year deal, I think it was in the offseason, I said, okay, I didn't really see much from this guy. He played very few minutes uh, 
He was okay in the G League, but and he shot okay, but I certainly didn't see anything crazy. He certainly had the build to be one of those, you know, lanky, switchable defenders that they like. So I assumed he was, and we saw a little bit of it. Problem was, though, is in the summer league, he didn't really stand out. We saw Omer Yurtsevin stand out when he was in there. We saw Max Struess stand out the year before. And you can tell those guys set themselves apart from the rest. Hayward Highsmith, I got to be honest, I really didn't see it. We saw a game from Nikola Jovic. He had like 25 points in the summer league. He stood, he, he stood out. I didn't really see it from Highsmith. And going into the preseason, I really didn't see too much from him either. So I don't expect him to get, you know, some kind of crazy role. Uh, to be honest, I think he's a guy that they could trade to maybe get another piece in here. I know KJ Martin's been a name that's been out there. Or if they have to use him as filler in a, in a Jay Crowder trade. I don't know. Uh, I don't think he's shown the heat what they expected so far. Otherwise, I think we would have seen it in the preseason. I even saw another rumor that they can actually cut him and use that money to give to, give to Jamal Kane, So we don't have to worry about paying Jamal Kane, you know, in the offseason. But just something that's out there, the potential for it's there. But I mean, I don't think the run will be there for Highsmith until we get that inevitable stretch where a bunch of guys get hurt. Maybe he plays really well, but that's what I, that's what I think of Highsmith, which is really a whole lot of nothing. Seems like a great guy though. Maybe he'll play well in the G League or find a spot on another team where he can kind of get an expanded role. I just don't think that's on this team. The last guy that we have on a non-two-way deal is the legend Udonis Haslam, and he is another guy that if you talk bad about Udonis Haslam, or just keep his name out your mouth if that's the point. He he is a legend to the city and he can stay on my team as long as he wants to. And I know that's a relatively unpopular opinion, but I guess it seems more like Heat Nation is 50-50 now. You're either on my side or you're on the, the ungrateful side. Because with as much as he's done for this city, he can stay on my team as long as he wants. And you could say, okay, why doesn't he be a coach? Why don't you ask Spolstra? Why don't you ask the players? Because if they're out there telling you that he provides a role as a player that's different from a coach, who are you to tell them that he's not valued to to this team? And if you think that way, you very clearly never played basketball before. Because because the kind of respect as a player that you give a fellow player is way different than the respect you give as a coach. Coming from the player's mouth, it just means something different. And that's not even my words. That's the words of the team. And and I just, if, if they're out there telling you Every single player, I've heard Duncan Robinson, I've heard all the other young guys, I've heard Bam, I've heard Jimmy, I've heard Spo. If they're out there telling you that he provides value to this team as a player, then who are you to not believe them? Who are you to say different? And the ones that are out there saying, oh, you can get rid, he's just taking up a roster spot, you can get another guy to develop. How many of them do you want? You already got the two two-way guys. You already got Hayward Highsmith. You already got Nikola Jovic. How many more do you need? And I say that to them and they say, oh, well, the Heat have done it before. They can do it again. Yeah, and guess what? They also haven't done it before. You know, they, they also haven't. They have enough guys on this team they can develop. They got the two-way guys. Haslam can stay on this roster as long as he wants. He's not taking up a roster spot. Now, we do know this is his last season, 20th season, and on a nice round number. But I like Udonis Haslam. Hopefully, he gets to play at least a couple games this year because, to be honest, in, in five minutes spurts, I think he's a solid player. There was even points last year in the playoffs when Embiid was cooking a little bit. I said, yo, put UD out there, bro. I said, even at 42 years old or whatever he is, I said, UD is not going to let himself get bodied by Joel Embiid. He's just not going to let it happen. Obviously, Spolster will never do it, but he should because Deadman was getting cooked. So what, you might as well at least try something. But obviously, Udonis Hasman is one of my favorite players in this league. So I'm really excited uh, that he's back for a 20th and final season. And it's going to be pretty cool watching... Uh, 
watching him out there getting all, all love all year. And hopefully I get to check out some games to see him and show him the love that he deserves. The first two-way spot we got here is Jamal Kane. We've talked a lot about Jamal Kane, so I'll keep it brief. Balled out in the preseason. We all knew that he was going to take Darius Day's spot. He has the body to be a switchable four, kind of like Hayward Highsmith. He's athletic, versatile, can shoot the ball. Actually averaged 20 points per game in college once he transferred to Oakland for his senior season. So he's a guy that was uh, very uh, impressed me very much. Not a guy I expected to see anything from going into the preseason, but obviously he turned a lot of heads, and it's very clear that the Heat like him a lot. If he plays in a regular season, tr- truthfully, I think that means something has gone wrong for the Heat, whether it means a bunch of guys got injured or just they're playing <laughs> terrible, so they want to kind of develop the younger guys a little bit. Now, he'll get some run. All the two-way guys end up getting a little bit of run. Uh, I guess you could have said the same thing about Caleb Martin last year, who was a two-way player and basically played every single game until they were forced to convert him. Maybe we see the same thing from Drew Smith, or not Drew Smith, Jamal Cain, but I just don't think it's there because I think they already have enough rotation pieces. I mean, we can count them out right now. We got Lowry, Tyler, Jimmy, Caleb, Bam, Vic, Gabe, Max. That's eight right there. In the regular season, you probably want to go 10 or 11 deep, so that'd be two to three more. So let's say they even had three more players. Well, I didn't even mention Deadman, Yurt, Nikola, Duncan. That's four players right there that you could argue could get rotation minutes. And at most, I think only three of them would get picked. And obviously, that didn't even include Jamal Kane. So he won't get a lot of run. He will, obviously, when there's that inevitable stretch when a lot of guys get hurt. But I'm talking he'll play a game or two during that stretch, not for a prolonged period of time. Because if that's the case, something I either went wrong for the Heat or Jamal Kane turned out to be a superstar out of nowhere, which I don't see is the case. But he'll spend a lot of time in the G League, and hopefully he can play really well there because I think that's a sign that they are another level than those guys, meaning that they can hopefully translate that to the big leagues and ball out because he's a guy that seems like a heat culture type player that can do it all. And maybe next year is the year that he can contribute because in Spolstra's system, we usually see it's the second year that the young guys really, really get a a major role. So uh, I like Jamal Kane. I think he's a cool player, but I don't think he'll play. Pretty much the same with Drew Smith is the last two-way guy, which quite frankly, I honestly believe is only on this team because Marcus Garrett hurt his wrist again. I think the Heat like Marcus Garrett a lot. I think they don't want to lose out on another Patrick Beverly. And I think they can believe they can develop Marcus Garrett's offense. And he's already one of the best defenders in the NBA. Seriously, his perimeter defense is, is so exciting to watch. I've never seen somebody make me so excited playing perimeter defense. But either way, he's hurt. They had Drew Smith. He's a guy that they've had on, on this kind of G League and Summer League team for a couple years now. Seems like a high IQ guy. Seems like a guy that's more of that facilitator type. So maybe the Heat are looking for another one of those just because they really only got Lowry. And like I said, they're trying to develop Gabe. But Drew Smith, I certainly don't think will get any run this year at all. Maybe a game or two if guys are hurt, like I said. But don't expect to get any run. Seems like a nice guy. Seems like a cool player. Hopefully he can ball out and help the Sioux Falls win another ring. As I hear some screaming outside my door, hopefully you guys don't don't hear that. Hopefully not, because I spent a lot of money on this mic, but it, it really don't matter anyways. That's the whole roster. I like this Heat team. I think they have the potential with the internal development to be right back in the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe get to the finals if these role guys can play well this year. Obviously, you lost PJ. You really didn't add nothing, but your two of your three best players are Tyler Bam super young guys with a ton of room for internal improvement and if they can take a big step i i don't see a reason this heat team can't be right back in there obviously that that's pretty optimistic but 
Uh, Jimmy Butler is one of the best players in this league, and that's how you win in this league is with the best players, and the Heat fortunately have one of those. Now, he's not a Kevin Durant, he's not a Giannis, he's not an Embiid, but in the playoffs, he can be really close to that. So if you get enough from the other guys, he still needs some of the other guys. We saw that because, you know, he, he lost last year in seven games. But if you can get from the other guys, I think they can go on a finals run. As far as the regular season, though, let me just make one thing clear. I have them at five. I have them winning 47, 48 games at five just because they're a team that's had deep playoff runs a lot. They're a playoff team. You know, your, your stars are older or your star is older and Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry too. They're not going to try hard in the regular season. They'll rely a lot on the young guys to get them through it. Depending on how Bam and Tyler play, I guess that's kind of how good they'll be. So if those guys do take the next step, I'm sure they could finish one again. If not, more realistically, I have them around five. They go into the playoffs versus whoever they play and then they just dominate. Because this team is a playoff team, and I, I really like the way they're built because the playoffs is what matters. I actually have the Cavaliers against uh, higher than them because I think their roster is great. I thought they had a great roster last year. I think their size provides a lot of mismatches for a lot of teams, especially against the Heat. But come playoff time, that team's too young. They're not built for the playoffs. The Heat will take care of that easy. Same thing with the 76ers. James Harden, not a big-time player, you know. So just because I have the Heat at five doesn't mean I don't think they can make another finals run. Of course, that depends on the young guys and how they improve. That's all I got for this episode over here. I might drop the next episode after the Heat play the Bulls on Wednesday. Uh, that is, of course, opening night. So maybe I have a little recap of that up for y'all Thursday. But if not, I hope y'all enjoyed the, the, this episode, man. Uh, go ahead and leave it a like if you're watching on YouTube or five stars. If you want Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening to. And if you didn't enjoy this podcast... I don't really care, man. I'm, I'm still going to upload anyways because I like talking Miami Heat basketball with y'all. And I'm super excited to go into the season. Uh, maybe if you don't enjoy, go ahead and hit me up on Twitter and tell me why. That's at Anthony D underscore Heat. Uh, or if you like me, go ahead and, and send some some nice comments up there too. I, honestly, I appreciate them all because the, uh, the nice comments make me feel good. The hate comments either make me laugh or give some good constructive criticism. Or I can make a compilation video out of them because I've been known to do that. But I'm going to finish rambling here. Uh, let's give a score prediction for Heat Bulls. Let's say Heat win. Let's go 1-11-97. The Miami Heat beat the Chicago Bulls. That's all I have for you guys today. Let's go Heat. I'm out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.